we work for a company, we apply ourselves as best as we can, we come up with real brilliant solutions, but for some strange reasons, we don't get ahead. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and sign up for a free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter where I share my lessons of how to reduce risk and create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with Gisela Hausman, who's come back. She was episode 539, where we talked about the story of how Jeff Bezos' Amazon considered my suggestions. And Gisela's back with some more writing, a new book, and a lot of advice for all of us of how we can allocate our creativity in a way that's appreciated. Gisela, take a minute and tell us about what you've been doing as far as writing's concerned, the new book, and what's going on, and tell us more about it. Hello, Andrew. So good to be back. And last time, indeed, we talked about my book, Inside Amazon, which was basically a manual of what I, as a transportation professional, saw what Amazon could do better at their warehouses. And of course, that's been a problem that has been rake to the media for a long time, but not even as intensive as I saw. And one reason might be that the journalists are just not transportation professionals. So they say hard work. And I can actually say, well, that didn't need to be that hard because you could do it, make it simpler. So anyway, so I wrote this book and my intention was to help the workers. I also thought that my efforts would be valued by the American press who, for reasons I can only speculate on, did not pick this up per se. And I actually had the feeling that I failed in my mission because I expected everybody from the New York Times to the Washington Post feature me in headlines like, brave health, brave worker challenges Jeff Bezos. <laughs> and that didn't happen. So I was really depressed and the fact that the pandemic was still going on did not help. And passed forward to the year 2022. And suddenly I have a weird problem, even though I've always had good teeth. An old injury comes up, which I thought wasn't anything. And my dentist says, I need laser treatment. And if there was one lesson that I came out of with this experience at Amazon, it was to support the little person. And I did not have health insurance with a big carrier who was going to cover that. Mm -hmm. So this was, of course, a bad time. Recession, gas at its highest, even eggs, the rise, the price of regular eggs. And, you know, so I thought maybe I can get a company to offer me health insurance and handle it this way. And as I'm looking on the Internet, bam, Amazon pops up and I'm like, yeah, right. They didn't value me then. Maybe I can get them to pay for this dental treatment. I apply. And even though I wrote this book. I immediately get accepted only to find out that I don't get health insurance because they lied in their ad or they presented an ad that wasn't applicable for my area or something like that. And I'm still there because the economy is bad. Okay. So I re-entered the warehouse after I haven't been there 
in uh, well, 15 months or so. And to my utter surprise, I find out that Amazon incorporated all the changes that I mentioned in my book, including items which they couldn't have gotten from anybody else. Mm. Because at the time, they were running warehouses for more than 20 years and delivery stations for more than seven years. And just when I publish this, they suddenly have the same idea. That's kind of odd, right? Also, no journalist ever wrote about it. So I knew they had taken it. And I want to point out that they didn't steal it because I wrote it, I published it, hence it was free for all to take. Mm. But of course, the proper thing would have been to call Gisela Hausmann and say, hey, <laughs> apparently you know how that's done, right? Want to come to Seattle and talk with us? Which they didn't do. Mm. And this is a problem that I think that a lot of your listeners, our listeners, can relate to. We work for a company. We apply ourselves as best as we can. We come up with real brilliant solutions. But for some strange reasons, we don't get ahead. Our employer takes what we offer and... I don't know, promotes a 25-year-old who's just graduated college. And here we are feeling bad about it. And that's why I wrote this second book. Now, I unpublished Inside Amazon, so it's not also on the market, and integrated the two chapters in which I tell, first of all, what was great about Amazon and why I was so thrilled about this company and how they actually started out. And then the second chapter that basically gives the list of what I thought could be improved, just to bring the proof that what I am saying is the truth. Mm. It was there. I published it. Amazon released it on their website. They sold it. It's a clear-cut case. I had the idea. And this is the essential part. My ideas were not only my creative energy as far as fixing the problem, I also engaged in the process of writing it down, applying a copyright, getting a library of Congress number, and making it clear that this is my intellectual property. Never mind whether they took it or not. Mm. It's mine. Right. And that is one of the most essential parts if one is an employee who gets stuck in a company. You may want to think twice, volunteering any ideas for which you don't get paid because that's the flip side of this whole Amazon thing. They ran the warehouses for more than 20 years and the delivery stations for more than seven years. And obviously there were people in charge who were supposed to design this, but who designed it so badly that within five weeks of me working there, I said, no, wait a minute, we can do this better, right? Mm. So. The company paid somebody who didn't do the job right, but also didn't promote the person who knew how to do it right. Mm. And that's a situation in which we find ourselves constantly, especially in the American corporate culture. So there's a couple of questions I have about it. So let's let's sure. talk about first of all, most employees don't make a lot of creative suggestions. In fact, well, I would say from my my perspective, 
it's a, would you say it's a small group of people that are coming up with these creative suggestions or do you think that everybody's got them? I want to say at least 75% have them. Okay. It's only, there are all these things, which is now called corporate culture Mm. and the vibe in the company. And also people are afraid. It's nothing new that bosses occasionally don't like employees who are smarter than they are, Mm. (laughs) right? And indeed, when I published Inside Amazon, somebody who was apparently a manager at another company was like, wrote in their review, I'm torn about this one. Of course, she was right that these things should be improved, but we just can't like the employees who know everything better than we do. (laughs) (laughs) So can we say that a a second point so most employees have ideas that could be used for improvement. Absolutely. The second point is there are managers in businesses that even if the senior management want them to hear those those ideas, those particular managers are not going to take them on board because they don't want to hear from people. I'm not necessarily saying that top management really wants all these ideas because I would think that my book went somewhat to a very high level. Because I published my book on May 1st, 2021. And on June 1st, Amazon announced they were going to create two new leadership principles, including being the best employer. Really? This happened so shortly after I presented my book. That's kind of interesting, right? Hmm. And then, of course, they didn't do anything right away. But they said it. And so, of course, there's different levels. But one thing's for sure, the manager that's closest to you is trying to guard his job the highest if he has an impression. And I think there's a lot of people who are really scared to bring in ideas, and they may be little things, you know, but still they would improve the workflow tremendously or make things easier, or it may even be, so to speak, an extracurricular activity like a team meeting or whatever Like, for instance, I know of a company where one of the employees brought in, and this is a company that works on Sundays. It's also a transportation company. And one of team members brought in, but years ago, that they don't work on Super Bowl Day. Apparently, everybody is a sports fan at this company, and it has improved the company climate. Mm. It could be something like that. I mean, there's like a wide range, but overall... I think that most employees, especially the ones who are dedicated and who like the employer, have ideas. And some say it. And those are the ones that get frustrated because they're like, hey, you know, I'm here. What more can I do? And the other ones is like, maybe this isn't so good for me. My boss, he might suppress all my efforts. I better rather quietly and maybe things happen for me anyway. But here's the problem especially big corporations go these days less for creativity and more for AI. Mm. They think that tracking all the customers and sending them updates and offers and what have you will basically get the customers to buy anything. I mean, if you just think about in the 80s, the things that were invented at the time, the World Wide Web, the nicotine patch, There was even a guy, and he was a college kid, a 17-year-old who invented already the Snuggie. 
It's only he couldn't patent it. So later on, somebody else took that idea over and came out with a new pattern. But in those days, people came up with ideas where when you saw them, you said, oh, this is what I need. Of course, I need the internet. Oh, man, I wanted to quit smoking for the past 20 years. I'm going to need that nicotine patch, right? Oh, my God. The finances sound so great. I feel cold when I watch TV. I need this Snuggie and on and on and on. So these were ideas that were kind of like in the Steve Jobs concept where I said, once you see them, you know that you need them. Mm. That is not the case anymore. Like, for instance, Amazon came out with Alexa. Personally, I don't have one. I wouldn't have one for the world of it. And even if I was disabled, I wouldn't have one. But they came out with this one thing. Maybe it makes a lot of people better. Now they've released like 20 versions of Alexa. Where's the creativity? Steve Jobs wouldn't have tolerated that. Hmm. I mean, absolutely not. It was like one invention that you see, and then that's the one that you have to have it. And by the way, Apple, who is still beholden to our Steve Jobs concept, the best idea must win, even if it's not mine. They were the ones that laid the fewest people off in this layoff wave at the beginning of the year. Because they don't believe in AI. They mm. follow Steve Jobs' mantra. And so that's why I think that the people who have the ideas, they have the most valuable capital. Not necessarily for a big corporation, because I don't think that the big corporations are going to change. But there are challenges all the time. Like, for instance, on the book publishing market. You think that Amazon rules it, but there is also the anti-Amazon smashwords. Now they have teamed up with a print producer who prints on demand just like Amazon, and they're teaming up together. And of course, they're coming now with their own ideas and their own stuff. So there's always the competition, even if you think that the company rules the market totally. And then, of course, there is always things that can happen, which causes the bigger business to suffer greater damage than the smaller business. For instance, so the United States economic situation is not that great, right? It's not really a recession, but it's certainly not good. Well, a company like Amazon has to support their 1.6 million employees. So if business goes down, they're hit harder then the small business who operates with 200 employees because they can somehow mend ends and maybe they have to kick out five people or something and redistribute, they have it easier than the big guy. And that's where the creative people come in. They can offer themselves to these smaller companies who are eager to take a share of the big guy, but who need people with the experience. And of course, if they find somebody who is, so to speak, worked at the competition, that person is a good candidate, right? So one question I have is that, do you think it's an inevitability that even when a business is small, medium size, and they're true to their values, and then they become huge, do you think it's inevitability that they just become not so humane? And it's just, just that they don't, they just can't be as responsive as let's say a medium size company. And if you think that that's the case, does that support us to say creativity and innovation really should come from mid-sized companies? Or how do you think about that? 
But certainly, mid-sized companies are a lot more flexible than big giants. There is no yep. doubt about it. But I think, and that's especially true for Amazon, they follow principles which they just kick out and which usually are taken up by the press and praised over and over again. Mm. And nobody actually thinks about the stuff that's being talked about. Like Amazon, I mean, you've heard it forever. Jeff Bezos' business took off and exploded, so to speak, overnight because of the flywheel theory. A flywheel concept is basically that a flywheel is an item most often to be found in a car, which stores the energy, which of course has been provided by the gas pedal, and not only stores the energy, it also evens out any any, um, any smoothness in the cylinders yeah. and what have you. Okay. So the same thing is happening at Amazon, only because they kick the gas pedal constantly, allegedly happening at Amazon. Because they kick the gas pedal constantly, the flywheel takes up more energy up to the point when it finally spins off and spins off into the universe and gets bigger and bigger. Okay, sounds great, right? But there is huge flaws in this theory. And the huge flaws are a flywheel is a mechanical device. You can look at it. It's a metallic thing. And it basically, if it's in a car, it does what the owner of the car tells it to do. Yep. The end. It doesn't matter whether there's a pandemic outside or whether it rains, shines, mother has died or whatever. The flywheel operates the way it's designed to be. Taking contrast, Amazon. If the flywheel theory is correct and it spins fast and fast and acquires more customers who buy more products and more vendors flock to it and what have you, the next thing that happens is that the company needs to hire more warehouse workers. And the warehouse workers become a part of the flywheel, inevitably, because somebody's got to move these millions of packages. Okay, but these warehouse workers, in contrast to the flywheel, are not mechanical devices. They are people who care about how much do I get paid? What are the working conditions? Is my manager a responsible manager who helps me? How do I get ahead in this company and what have you? So it's the farthest shot from a mechanical device that it can be. And now you have on one hand side, the business flywheel taking off and getting bigger. At the same time, this business flywheel requires that more people get in who bring human problems and they drag that flywheel down again, mm. which is basically exactly what happened. And after Amazon declared that they were going to be the world's best employer, and did not talk to me, but I'm, maybe they also didn't talk to other people. Who knows? They basically had these people and did not solve these people's problem. Well, the year after that, they paid $4.3 million for anti-union consultants. Mm. And last year, the year after that, more than three times as much, 14.3. One can only wonder, will they pay $30 million this year? Because... That too accelerates with the flywheel, obviously. And the interesting thing about this is that Amazon in the beginning did it right. And this is why I'm talking about the mid-sized companies. Because in the beginning, Amazon came along and said, hey, you authors, you small publishers, bring your book to us. We sell everything. 
This was the total opposite of what Barnes and Noble said, because they said, well, you need to have an agent. And the agent said, well, you need to have a distributor. And we've got a vet your book. And was it featured in any magazines? And is it even really a good book? And what have you? So the same authors who felt put down by what was then the giant, because Barnes and Noble at that time had 860 bookstores in the United States, which yeah. is almost insane. So that big giant did it wrong. And all the little authors da, 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 flocked to Amazon. Needless to say, they brought in all their friends. And that is a huge effect because basically these authors were running around and telling their friends and family, hey, my book's on Amazon. You've got to buy it, right? And if they pestered this relative long enough, then he went to Amazon, bought the book, and he's like, oh, my God, there's this other book that I could buy too. And ah, now they're selling toys. Well, maybe I should buy some toys for my grandchild and on and on and on, right? At the same time, Amazon courted the book reviewers so they were going to get the reviews. And, of course, they were like, I'm a social media person now, right? <laughs> so they told everybody that they're a social media star. <laughs> and of course, brought people in. And the same thing happened on the product sector. And these were, so to speak, the flywheel spinners who went ahead and brought in all the people when Amazon was a mid-sized company mm. and not the giant that they are today. And unfortunately, they let this get out of control. Scammers invade, uh, invaded the thing. But instead of replacing that human flywheel that they had with a new human flywheel, which could have been 1.6 million warehouse workers. Mm. I mean, one has to digest this number. Any presidential candidate in the United States would be happy to have 1.6 campaign help us, right? Mm. And Amazon yeah. employs them. So all they need to do is show these people that they care, just like they showed the indie authors and the reviewers and the social media influencers in their early days. Mm. And then these warehouse workers would have been, again, the same people that pushed the flywheel. And what did Amazon do? They didn't do anything. So in my book suggested, and of course that was too late, that during the peak season 2020, when the pandemic was still ongoing, Amazon should have rewarded their warehouse workers with an extra bonus that they never got before, a free Prime membership. Now, there is like an idea with capital lying around that can't even be measured. Because, A, by giving their warehouse workers free prime membership, obviously they would have bought an Amazon, right? Mm, mm. Because now they had the prime membership. Secondly, they would have shown that they care. But more importantly, if they would have done this step, the media would have gone ahead and would have written, Jeff Bezos gives his warehouse workers who worked the whole year to make all the poor people who had to stay at home happy an extra gift, a prime membership. And in doing that, Bezos would have gone ahead and actually upgraded his prime membership. It's a gift that is so valuable that I give it to my people. I reward the people who saved lives during the pandemic, right? And that would have been a great campaign. I mean, you would have had it trending on Twitter. Jeff Bezos gives away prime membership. A, 
the word Prime membership would have trended on Twitter, right? It would have been great. And they skipped on that. And it's unclear why, because what replaced that was the headline, Amazon drivers have to pee into bottles. Now, pick a pick, which is great, the one or the other, right? And, that's and why do you think they did that? I mean, well, they, the driver's problem was actually not really their problem. Mm. That is to be said, because Amazon didn't start the pandemic. Amazon had nothing to do with the fact that supermarkets, coffee houses, gas stations, etc., locked off their bathrooms. Mm. And three, most of the drivers probably wouldn't even have gone into the public bathroom because you didn't know who was in there before, and that person may have had COVID. Right. So what they really should have done is set up porta parties and they skipped out on that too. And none of the journalists noticed it. I can't say anything about it. But what I'm saying is, is if my business trends that my workers have to pee into bottles and I have the opportunity to do something like I'm giving them prime membership, my prime membership is so valuable that Mm. they love it. Right. Then I'm picking that choice because. It's an image campaign. And that's the kind of ideas that are completely missing at Amazon. So let's, let's, let's think about my audience who don't work at Amazon. And they have small, medium-sized businesses. They're trying mm-hmm. to be big. They want to be big like Amazon they if they could be. Yep. But they're far away from that. But they also have, they're close enough to their employees where they can start to bring creativity and, you know, those types of things into their business. What would be some of the advice that you would give them related to, as you've talked about, giving employees credit for creative ideas that they come up with, coming up with rewards for employees, coming up with ways to get the flywheel going and not mess it up? What are some of the advice that you would have for those people? The very first thing that I would say is make a written plan. If you come up with ideas that we are going to do at this business, then this is how we are going to reward you. Mm. And it should be something better than an in-house product, right? Not an Alexa if you're Amazon or whatever. It should be something special. Mm. or a promotion, or a promotional ladder, or something where that employee says, I can bring myself in here because these people value me. And of course, inevitably, creativity creates more creativity. If my colleague Susie, who sits at the next desk, was the employee of the month and, I don't know, got an extra bonus gift, a financial one or something of that nature, then I'm going to be trying to have it next month, right? (laughs) Obviously. So that's really a way to encourage it. But if you don't do it black and white, Mm. then it's not going to happen because inevitably all of us have had experiences where we were... um, overlooked or what have you. So inevitably, we're suspicious. We don't necessarily trust everything. But if it's in black and white and it hangs in the conference room and everybody can see it and take a picture on their cell phone, then obviously it's true. That is the first step that I would do. And 
And how do you handle the objection that the owner of that company or the senior managers say, oh, now employees are going to claim everything that that happened was their idea. And now all of a sudden we're going to be giving out bonuses all the time because everybody's going to come in and say, well, I came up with that idea. to, And then you got employees fighting. No, I came up with that idea. How do you handle that? Well, you have to have a format. I mean, I don't want to say it's a scientific thesis or something, Mm. but I mean, there needs to be maybe two or three page paper analysis Right now, we're doing things this and that way. And the problem that I see with this process is that whatever is happening, and then if we fix this by doing that, then we make a prognosis that the results will be improved in whatever way. And of course, everything needs to be measured and weighed. People need to think through their ideas. Just having an idea isn't good enough. I would also think that it would be a good idea to propose that the idea can be tested. Let's say Mm. two or three people work in the new concept and the rest of them in the old concept. And then we take the data and compare and see what it is. But if we lay out a plan where we say, okay, you are writing something, and I don't want to say a scientific paper, but something in clear layout, what it is, what it's supposed to do, what the prognosis is, then yeah, then obviously the business owner is encouraging their employees to really think through their stuff, work out any kinks and make, so to speak, brass handles. Yep. And what about for generally, I'm, I've studied a lot under Dr. Deming and he talked a lot about being careful about doing individual incentives, because all of a sudden you set up some internal competition when really what you want is everybody to be working together. So let me ask a question. What if that compensation was awarded to all employees? Let's just say the objective is that all employees work together to make the company more successful, more profitable. We celebrate that in the last six months, we've had four different ideas that we've implemented that have brought us additional value that's made us more profitable. And therefore the bonus that we have, the bonus pool and the distribution of that is bigger and everybody gets more. Is that a good idea? Or do you feel like, no, you really have to compensate the individual for doing that individual idea? Well, maybe you could reward the department, but in uh, but rewarding everybody is always, let me put it this way. I have two kids. My daughter is very athletic. My son is too. And when I asked my son if he wanted to play on the soccer team, he said, no. And I said, why not? He said, well, that's that game where everybody plays. And at the end of the game, you have to shake the hand of the worst player and say, thank you for helping us to win. Even if we didn't win and everybody gets a trophy. Team sport is great in certain ways, but Inevitably, some people are going to figure out that they're going to rest while others work. Mm. I mean, I mean, it depends. If you have a crew of five, then it might work. But if you have a crew of 100, odds are 10% are sitting on the sideline and waiting for somebody else to do something. I mean, maybe right. even 20. So, so it sounds to me, I mean, I'm going to, some of my thoughts in wrapping up, one of them is that once a business becomes so massive, it's almost impossible for it to truly improve. And it really takes 
they just have economic power that drives their improvement rather than people power, creative idea power. And I don't that, think that. Yeah. Look at Apple. Yep. There needs to be a vision. There needs to be a mantra. And anybody can go on YouTube and watch Steve Jobs in hundreds of interviews always saying the same thing. The best idea wins. And there's one interview among isn't them. Jeff Bezos known for saying this kind of intense focus on the customer. Isn't that what he always says is, you know, we are constantly well, but, focused but, on but the customer. I don't see it. And the reason mm. I don't see it is, for instance, and I wrote this in my book too. Yep. That's a story that's in my book and anybody can check it out. If they, they can pick any author. I picked Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Oprah Winfrey, when she mentions a book, she can sell more books than Jeff mm. Bezos will ever sell in his life mm. because she just needs to drop the title and 3 million people rush and buy this book before they have sat down on the chair or right. whatever. That's the power she has. And Oprah Winfrey writes books. And if I go on Amazon and I type in Oprah Winfrey, I have first three ads flashing up which I could buy if I just mm. pay enough money for that ad. And that person that wants to see Oprah Winfrey's book will see my books. Yep. Will that person buy my book? Hell no. They're going to say, mm. I want to see Oprah Winfrey. I mean, Oprah Winfrey is Oprah Winfrey. We don't need to discuss who she is. And I mean, I've run the same tests with other things. Like, for instance, I typed into my computer, Campus Tomato Soup. Now, there are two kinds of campus tomato soups, the cans and Andy Warhol's painting. And of course, Andy Warhol's painting is on T-shirts and on mouse pads and on the screensavers and on coffee mugs and what have you. And when you go on Amazon and you type in campus tomato soup, you will not see a page with all campus tomato soup true. No, no, you will even see meaty soups. And coincidentally, I discussed this with a friend of mine and I forgot, but he's a vegetarian. And he's like, beef broth? No, mm. <laughs> just not. I mean, this is not customer service if I ask let, tomato let me, soup and I get to see beef broth because I don't eat beef broth because I'm a vegetarian. So is the message that you're saying then is it's not enough to have a vision or a defining that, thing. It's no, you have no. to make sure that's being implemented in the business, and that's happening at Apple, but it's not happening at Amazon. No, I think that what happened at Amazon is that years ago, Amazon had this vision of the customer because, of course, then they were haggling for every one of them because there mm. was Barnes and Noble who said, "Come to us, browse for free, and we'll give you a cup of coffee too." And yeah. by the way, you can read all the magazines in the world. So this was Amazon's competition. So they said, "We focus on the customer," and that was also the same time when they also catered to little authors, small publishers, reviewers, and people who maybe had a website about gardening and offered all the gardening books that Amazon had with affiliate links and made a little bit of affiliate money on there. Like it, was, mm. it was like between 5 and 15%. So these were all Amazon's customers and they tried to make it happy. 
And that was when the flywheel worked. And in the meantime, they're just talking about the customer. But anybody who goes on their website and calls up a product that they never call up will see that they get to see something completely different. And they don't get to see this because Amazon's algorithm is bad. They get to see this because Amazon wants to make money on the ad buyers. Mm. And so they have to show whatever the ad buyers buy for. And that may not be the thing that the buyer wants to buy, obviously. So I want to wrap it up here, but my first thing I want to tell the the listeners and the viewers out there to grab the book. I'll have the link in the show notes and, you know, learn more about it. I think from my perspective, what I, I enjoy about it is given that I have a small business myself with about a hundred employees in my coffee business and I, it's, it's a tough business. You know, it's tough and our workers in the factory, our workers in the roasting, our workers that are service techs, our delivery is tough. But what I'm hearing from you is take care of your workers, get their creativity and reward them for their creativity. Listen to what they say, make it a better place. And that's part of the message. I also, the second part of the message I take is how large companies start to fall apart. And I just feel like for, to have strong economies, you need kind of small and medium-sized business. So what would be your final words for the audience? Well, I want to correct you on something, I think, and I'm not, this this is not a religious approach. This is just a consequence of life. When you do the right thing and you work, so to speak, in the need and try to solve this and say, okay, these are humans. Mm. These people depend on me and, you know, they want to work for me and all this and that. Then you create positive energy. And if you create positive energy, everybody wants to be with you. Mm. And this energy is transferred out. This was exactly what I meant with the Prime membership. These 1 million people would have run around and said, guess what? I have a Prime membership. And maybe Cousin would have said, well, I don't have too much money. Can I? Can you order for me so I get it in the next day too or stuff like mm. that? So they would have actually boosted their business because when you throw out positive energy, the people that you work with carry this in energy into the rest of the world. Whereas on the other hand, if you do the negative thing, like what Amazon did to me, they just took my ideas and didn't do anything. Then they carry over the negative energy and it promptly beat them in the shoe because now they had to pay the, the union busters and had to pay them $4.3 million and the next year even more. So yeah, You have to create that positive energy. The first thing is by thinking, you know, we need those ideas and what Mm. are we going to do to get them? When uh, it's already more than a decade during the Great Recession, I was working for um, a construction company, which actually was that way. Small business. Mm. I want to say we had like 96 or 88 employees, something like that. And of course, during the Great Recession, the construction industry was hit first. People sit there in the evening on their own time, not getting paid for the extra time, trying to save the company. I've Mm. seen it happen because that's what this will create. And of course, in a world like this, where a lot of people get cheated, if your employees carry forward who you are, they will bring the people to you. Great. And you got to see it. And Mm. then, and, and, But I also want to say that my book is also written for people who may, like me, 
be sitting in a corporation, maybe to get the experience or maybe to make the money. I mean, mm. you need money to start a business or uh, to make the contacts, which is another way. And they are caught in this. So my book actually lays out a plan how you can maneuver yourself out of that. And I wrote this in the same spirit, share my experiences, tell my story, give others a blueprint. Because if you pay it forward the good way and they see that this works for them, they're going to run around and say, you got to read Gisela's book. Hey, this woman really tells you the story. This is not some blah, 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 but she gives you the details, right? Mm. So yeah, this is the way how it works. This is the actual flywheel. So Gisela, I want to thank you for joining again and also sharing your vision of positive energy and the flywheel that that can create. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you. you. Yeah, thanks. And I'll see you on the upside.